Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Stop it, from our houses in Los Angeles, California. It's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, we hit the high seas, and I ain't talking opera. I'm talking about Paula Poundstone pursuing a career as a bosun. Could she be a bosun? Does being in a book club that reads Moby Dick qualify her to be a bosun? Does she have to like boats to be a bosun? Also, what's a bosun? Celebrity bosun Eddie Lucas from Bravo's Below Deck joins us for a very special career corner. Can you feel the excitement? That's our producer and Below Deck superfan, Tony Nita Hall, trembling. <laughs> steady as she goes, Tony. Steady as she goes. Plus, you know something? Well, you're about to. It's the return of our potluck info party. We're going to drop some knowledge and you get to pick it up before the dog makes off with it. I'm Adam Felber, the man who expertly navigates this conversational ship through the rough seas of distraction, trying to steer clear of the rocky shoals of inanity and guide us into the safe harbor of clarity. And now, please welcome the woman who never fails to warble her digressive siren song and run us smack into the metaphorical iceberg of irrelevance. <laughs> it's Paula Poundstone. Hey, guys. So nice to be back with you, sort of. Hey, Adam, and thanks to tonight's house band, Gabe Terraciano on the violin from New York City. That's a big city. He has a new album out called Three-Part Invention that can be found on Bandcamp and all major streaming platforms. Yay, thank you, Gabe. Gabe. Give it up for Gabe. Paula Poundstone, what's new? You know what? I was eating a brownie bite the other day i was specifically eating it on the right side of my mouth and i come across what appears to be a piece of plastic in the brownie bite oh and once again i work it towards the front of my mouth i take it out and i realize it's a crown not the queen kind oh Oh. yeah so this is the second time this happened what's funny is when i saw it I was like, damn it, there's a piece of plastic in my brownie bite. That's disgusting. And someone had given these to me. And I'm like, well, no wonder they gave them to me. There's plastic in them. Right away, the litigious side of me came up. I'm like, I'm going to sue this shit. Not not out of the person who gave them to me, but out of the company that makes them. And that's when I realized, oh, because this happened once before with a Heath bar. But this time, I didn't even bite it with that part of my mouth at all. So I go to the dentist and, you know, the guy takes a look, you know, they do this stuff that they do. It's gross. 
And then he asked me like a couple questions about, you know, how this happened and when it happened. And he looks at my chart and he says to me, you know, we had a bunch of people come in with this same problem that had their crown glued in at about that same time. And he said, if it falls off again, come back and we'll start all over again. He goes, I think we got some bad glue. So they. Oh my God! Wait, was this was this the same crown from last time? Yeah. Uh, oh, that shouldn't happen. Yeah. He said, "Okay, but my favorite part of the whole thing is that at one point, you know, he says, uh, I don't know, he's just doing his thing. It's not like we're talking. My mouth is open. His hands are in my mouth, and he goes, he says, thank you for staying open.' <laughs> oh. Yikes! <laughs> and I realized it was it was Doctor Desoto. Um, from the William Steig children's book. Um, remember the mouse that that was a dentist and he and his wife worked in the dentist's office and they were mice and his name was Dr. DeSoto and a fox with a tooth problem came to them at one time. Oh. And, you know, the mouse would have to go like entirely in. And that's when I realized my dentist is a mouse. I never had noticed before. <laughs> You know, once they put the white jacket on, I'm just so impressed that I don't even think it might be a it might be a rodent. Right. I think you would have noticed earlier. I would think you would have noticed a mouse. I didn't. No, I never did. Never did. Huh? Yeah, it's weird. You know, speaking of mice, I just want to let everybody know that our exciting new contest, The Longest Cat, has officially closed. So thank you for staying closed. And we will be uh, drawing a name from that old hat and announcing a winner next week. This is pretty exciting. Somebody's going to win a Zoom party with themselves and me and Paula and 50 of their closest friends. It's going to be fantastic. Woo. I'm having a root beer floats. I'm having more than one because we'll be separated. And so I'll have to have the root beer floats for everyone. And, uh, you know, probably some Doritos. And uh, if things work out, maybe some Heath bars. I might make some buffalo wings. That's a good party food. Maybe we'll pick a runner up, too. Yeah. Give us give a secondary prize. Yeah, like a, like a Zoom party with Tony Anita Hall. That would be a second no. degree prize. No, you know what it should be? What? The runner up prize will be a a Zoom party where the connection keeps dying. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a second rate yeah. prize. Yeah. I, absolutely. Let's I'm do so this. excited. Well, Woo! you know what? Uh let's turn our attention to today's business which is as always, god damn it. I'm calling <laughs> this meeting of the Paula Poundstone Book Club to order. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, are, is there any old business before we proceed? Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Um, uh, uh, it's. Oh, Senator Bernie Sanders, welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. I have some old uh, business to, to which to attend. Uh, last week, Captain Crinkle, Bonnie Burns, said she could not read our book club's selection, Moby Dick, because she encountered a chapter that described, and described very graphically, the killing of a whale and the harvesting of the resources from that whale. Yes. Well, I would like to ask Captain Crinkle, Bunny Burns, Paula Poundstone's <laughs> longtime manager and producer of this very podcast, I would like to ask her in what universe she is living to have believed that she would Ooh. not encounter descriptions of whale harpooning in the book Moby Dick. 
She could just look at the cover. Wow. Senator Sanders, that's a... Captain Crickle, you've been called up by Senator Bernie Sanders. This so uh, what do you got? This is unadulterated obstructionism. If I were to weigh in on the next selection, would I be allowed in this club, uh, like Captain Crinkle, to say, I'm not going to read Call of the Wild because I don't like phone calls? Or could I refuse to read To Kill a Mockingbird because I have a dislike for dead birds? Could I shirk my responsibility to read The Godfather because I dislike Mitch McConnell? Or, or for that matter, would I not read For Whom the Bell Tolls because I deal with enough ding-dongs at work? I submit to you, Captain Crinkle, that the answer is no, I could not. Well, I'd like to speak on Captain Crinkle's behalf because she's a little intimidated speaking to you, Senator Sanders. Oh, no, it's Senator Amy Klobuchar. Senator Klobuchar, I think that Captain Crinkle can speak for herself. She did not achieve the rank of captain by being a, 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 a shrinking flower. Okay, let me talk to her for a second. Let me ask her. I'll consult. <laughs> Okay, hold on. Are you, All right. Are you okay. whispering on the podcast? That makes no sense. <laughs> okay, Senator Sanders, I am a little intimidated talking to you. I have to say, I had a hard time focusing on everything you said. So what is it again? You're asking me? What was it? I couldn't. What, was it okay not to read the book? Was that it? Oh, no. Was it? I, I'm not asking, was it okay not to read the book? I'm saying, did you even, <laughs> did you even look at the cover of Moby oh, yeah. Dick? You, you would realize, <laughs> of course, you would. I'm going to go out and get a burger no, if wait, that's okay. I got it. Did I know it was going to be about continue. harpooning whales and killing whales? No, that's that was not my question. No, my question <laughs> is, how could you not? How, listen carefully. How could you not know that it was going to be there's a picture of a whaler with a harpoon on the cover. How could you not know that Moby Dick w was going to include some description of whales and whaling? No, but I didn't know it was going to be so gross. Like, they'd cut off the head, they'd parade the head around, <laughs> they were going to, like, take the They did forehead. not parade the head around. What were you doing while you were reading? You were multitasking, were you not? <laughs> no, no, Sen Senator, Senator Sanders, if I may, I'm going to have to take the side of, God help me, I'm going to have to take the side of Bonnie Burns' Captain Crinkle on this one. Because I, too, did not realize that there would be so much gore and violence uh in the book I, I mean i knew there'd be some wailing but hanging the heads from the sides of the boat sawing through the heads to do that that's not even a standard part of whaling and in the chapters that we're about to discuss today chapters 76 through 85 there's an incident where tashtego falls into the bloody head of of a decapitated whale and has to be the rescued, fluid. pulled out in a in a act that is compared to birthing. It's disgusting. Compass head. I am aware. I am aware of that chapter. What I am talking about right now is whaling. You know, if you're going to harpoon a whale, yes, there's going to be some 
uh, Will Connage. <laughs> two wrong readers, Adam Felba, does not make a right. <laughs> just gonna uh, have to have to disagree with you, Senator Sanders. I, I mean, I said when uh, we started reading the book that I was uncomfortable you. with the idea of of you know that we're reading a book about whaling, and I hoped it w- didn't get too bad in there, and it does. This is absurd. This is absurd. <laughs> <laughs> it's a book about the captain of a whaling ship and a white whale who bit off his leg and he has a vengeance towards. I, I, I don't see how you could not have known that there would be some gore. Some, yes. I would say that, it, that, that it's excessive. I agree with Adam. It's excessive. Today it occurred to me, you know, there's a lot of symbolism in this book. There's got to be a reason that Melville picked so many chapters to do with this excessive descriptions of what they do in whaling to these whales. And so maybe most people don't know anything about whaling. He's creating a world. Okay, but I think he was making maybe he was making the point about what man does to nature. And who's really the beast? <laughs> you know, Captain Crinkle, how has Paula Poundstone stood 26 years of this kind of uh, lack of logic? This, this. All right. All right. This, Sen- this, Senator this, Sanders, this, Senator Sanders, this, I'm going to ask you to, 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 uh, to put, put this aside. This, this, this you're out of order. psychology. Senator Sanders. Are you gaveling me? Are you I'm, gaveling I'm me? I'm gaveling you. <laughs> And, and and if you don't respond to the gaveling, I will make a motion to censure you. No, I'm, you know, no, 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 no. I move to censure Senator Sanders. <laughs> I second the motion. Oh, you know what? You, oh, you, my you, God. Tony Anita Hull has been censured so many times. Her name is now Tony Censured Hull. You lost um, your Anita. Um, she hasn't lost her Anita. Uh, Senator Sanders, uh, there's been a motion to censure you, and it's been seconded, so we're going to have to take a vote. Um, all in favor of censuring Senator Sanders. This is a big deal. Uh, say aye. 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 <laughs> aye, aye, aye. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Nay. Wow, you just... Nay. You, all right, so we have uh, Senator Sanders accidentally just um, voted aye. So, uh, <laughs> Senator Sanders, you've been censured. <laughs> By a vote of three to two, or three to one with one abstention, you've been censured. You're out of order. You're out of order. You're out of order. (laughs) Senator Senator Sanders. Senator Sanders, please, don't make me censure you again. Um, I want to ask if there's anybody other than Senator Sanders that has any opinions about chapters 76 through 85 of Moby Dick. I have Uh, something to say. Okay. (laughs) Go ahead and say it. I don't know how far you're going to get, but go ahead. Okay. Well, I have two things. So maybe I'm reclaiming my time. I'm reclaiming my time. (laughs) You don't have any time. Well, then I'm reclaiming your time. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. This was my favorite part when Ishmael goes on this whole rant about could a guy live in a whale's stomach or would the gastric juices not permit a man to survive? I just thought at least. You know, there was something entertaining about that after all this stuff about what was it about inside the whale's head was this great big, what was it, the white liquid that the guy 
drowned in and then it was uh what is it? Sperma, spermazoid or something, wasn't it? Spermaceti. Spermaceti, which they also just Thank call you. sperm. Spermaceti. Tour is a spermaceti. <laughs> so I kind of liked it when Tashtego fell into the sperm whale's head. I thought it was exciting. And uh, uh, Adam, answer the phone. Wait, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this club is filling up. Um, hello? Hey, hey, Adam, it's just me, Mike Boom Boom Bonifat. Oh, oh, man, I'm fucking loving this book, man. I'm just fucking loving this book. Which, you know, which did book? You read, did you read the part about the organ of firmness? The did organ you see of that, firmness? Man? The organ of firmness? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So- you know what I mean? Organ of firmness? And a sperm whale, get it? Sperm whale <laughs> and an organ of firmness. I, I, I get that. I get that. The There's word sperm is a great book. Are you? This is a man's book. You know, it's no wonder Tony Anita Hall doesn't like this book. This is a this is a guy's book. A guy would get this book. Tony Tony Anita and Body Birds, they don't even understand this book. You know what I mean? Because oh, they don't have an organ of firmness. <laughs> I, I, look, or, I think you're misunderstanding organ of firmness. I got to say, Paula Poundstone likes this book a whole lot more than I do. Hey, Mike. She's, tr- she's Mike. busting your balls all Mike, the time, you're out, you're out of she's order. She's always busting your balls. <laughs> and, you know, thank God you got an organ of firmness. All right, I got to go. Okay. Bye, Mike. It's good talking to you, Adam. Love you, man. Take care. Take care, man. We'll hang out after the game. <laughs> no, we won't. Well, that was interesting. Um, I think it's wonderful that, uh, uh, you know, I understand that Mike doesn't like me, and that's, that's fine. But I okay. think it's wonderful that we've brought one more reader into reading uh, Moby Dick. I think that's fantastic. And he really, he picks up on a lot of the nuances in the book. No, I don't think he's picking up on any nuances. He, he's just looking for things that sound dirty. Yeah, those are the nuances. That's the symbolism that Bonnie refers to. Um, <laughs> there was a whole, uh, a whole, I don't know if it was a whole chapter, but certainly paragraphs of uh, Stubb telling fart jokes <laughs> about the whale. Yeah. Not about Moby Dick, but about another whale. And I'm surprised Mike didn't mention that. Before we close this book club, though, I have to turn to Tony Anita Hall, who possibly, <laughs> possibly can't even speak at this point. Because, you know, later in the show, we have this guest coming who Tony is uh, a little swoony for. She's swoony for the swain. Um, she, Tony watches Below Deck, so she wants to get off the Pequod. And onto the b- below deck ship. But Tony, did you read Moby Dick this week? Oh my gosh. First of all, I'm sweating bullets. Like I'm sweating profusely. Really? From nerves. Yes. Anyway, so, you know, I did. I finished. <laughs> from nerves? From, Wait, you said you're sweating from nerves? From nerves. Uh, nerves. Oh, because we're, because we're going to talk to the guy from um, deck well, below? Yes. Well, to- Tony, I'll tell you. Here's a little treat for you, Tony. I know that, that you might become a little tongue-tied and stuff, but Paula and I have decided... Even though we're going to be talking about Career Corner and a life of, of a bosun, we're going to let you ask one below deck question. <laughs> so, so think on that. You get one question to ask him. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, I would like to state we never, we never specified which version of Moby Dick we were reading. What is it? So I picked up a different copy this week. <laughs> Uh-oh. And it's called Little Master Melville, Moby Dick, an Ocean Primer. It's 22 pages about, well, it's a hard book and it's mainly pictures, but it's 22 pages 
describing the story of Moby Dick for toddlers. For toddlers? Tony, we specified it was Moby Dick by Herman Melville. This is Little Master Melville. I can yeah, read it to no, you in about Tony, I'm sorry, 60 but seconds. Motion to censure, Tony, you need a hull. Ship. Hulls. <laughs> sorry. Anger. Harpoons. Chewed leg. Um, Tony, let's just assume you're censured until further notice. I'll, t- I'll tell you though, Compass Head, Compass Head would censure kittens okay. for heaven's sakes. He's censure crazy. He just censure, censure, censure. <laughs> you deserved it, Senator Sanders, and you know it. All right. With all that, I am going to bring this week's meeting of the Paula Poundstone Podcast Book Club to a close. Now. <laughs> Next business, Paula. I think that, you was, have, a, I think that a, was a particularly good book club this week. I really do. <laughs> it was it was I really lively. felt it was strong. Yeah, we made headway. I think we, we made sure a lot did. of headway. I'm learning a lot. I feel like I don't even need to read the book. You guys are bringing it to life for me. Yeah. Yeah, we made uh, we made a lot of whale head full of blood headway. Ah. Um, yeah. All right. <laughs> you got a word, Paula? Adam, I do have a word. It's preponderance. It's a noun that means the quality or fact of being greater in number, quantity, or importance. Here, I'll use in the sentence, Putin attacks us with a preponderance of false information. Preponderance is another word that I've heard many times, but was never quite sure as to its definition. Let's put it right into the vocabulary song. This week's word is preponderance. It's a noun that means the quality or fact of being greater in number, quantity, or importance. Last week's word was pernicious. It's an adjective that means having a harmful effect, especially in a gradual or subtle way. I've been staring at Twitter all day. The week before that, the word was glucksmerts, glucksmerts. It's a noun that means being displeased by an event presumed to be desirable for someone else. How wonderful you received another trophy for your shelf. Going back before that, the word was in It's It's a verb that means speak or write about someone with great hostility. Sports fans do this when a player doesn't show agility. And not long ago we had schadenfreude. 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 It's a noun that means pleasure derived by someone from another person's misfortune. I wouldn't mind if Mar-a-Lago was shut down through May or June. Let's never forget Gallimaufry which I pronounced wrong until nobody James Hyder corrected me. It's a noun that means confused jumbler medley of things. Hodgepodge, who's podge, hodgepodge. Adam doesn't think my song is replicable, replicable, replicable. But I do, I do, I do, I do. Yeah, Paula. Woo! Yeah. Oh! I do. Oh, Paula, you came so close right there. I think there was a slight flub on the last two notes. It was otherwise would have been your first flawless Glock performance. Oh, no, I think it was flawless. It was flawless. I'll tell you what. I left it all on the treadmill tonight. (laughs) You sure did. I I wouldn't be surprised if your hands are bleeding. Yeah, I've got blisters on my fingers. Uh, Oh, my gosh, that felt good. Just, you know, just to get those words out there just feels good. And, you know, the other thing is uh, I forget the name 
of the listener that corrected me on Schadenfreude. I before I accidentally <laughs> said Schadenfreude, but it's Schadenfreude. Right. It's a noun uh, that means pleasure derived by someone from another person's misfortune. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I should yeah, know you, that you, word. Yeah. <laughs> Coming up, Werner Herzog once said, every man should pull a boat over a mountain once in his life, which tells me he should really stick to directing. We'll talk to a bosun who understands that boats belong on water next on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Hey, Paula. You know... Every once in a while, we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of a midsummer night's dream okay and i played i played peter quince there there's the connection one of the mechanicals that's a great connection also yes has nothing to do with this which is that um quince is an online clothing store and as you know paula i've uh, i've lost a little weight lately oh right 75 pounds yeah so i literally have no clothes that are in my size until i just ordered some stuff at quince and i figured like here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself a whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got yes. the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got oh. the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. And these are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger Ooh. and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft <laughs> and, and so comfortable that honestly like right as i got them up to my waist i i i think my eyes closed they're so it's a softness it's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that too. Like so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. Sure, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and they're European. Keep that in mind. They're oh, European. they are so European, and you can get those kind. Of, you can get washable silk tops. You can get uh, fourteen karat gold jewelry and like all these accessories. Quince sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing, they cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. 
And don't <laughs> think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They man. cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway. Use our code. Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because oh, when oh my Helix gosh. first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and yeah. she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions plus enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress match in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, you know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. That's my boner. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress with my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux. And I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. On this day in unremarkable history, Marcel Marceau said, <laughs> 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 <laughs>
And we're back. So, Paula Poundstone, are you here with me? I'm here. Oh, excellent. You know, last week we did a career corner, you might remember, because this damn pandemic has kept you out of the theaters. Has has anything changed in that past week? Okay, I have some dates on the books, but that's not until June. So for now, no, I'm promoting my book, promoting stuff at the store, paulapoundstone.com, promoting my cameo appearances, all from this treadmill desk. It's getting a little claustrophobic, so I was thinking I could really use a change of scenery and maybe a career change as well. I find myself wondering if I could take to the seas. Could I make it as an important member of a ship's crew? Like, I don't know, maybe a, a bosun? A bosun? Yeah. Well, it's uncanny, Paula, but we have a very special guest here who can help guide you on this voyage. Well, that is voyant, Clara. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's time for Career Corner, where we learn about the wide world of jobs. Would you like to be a fireman? How about a train engineer? Maybe you'd like to make a living as a spot welder. What can you do with your life? Career Corner has the answer. This week, let's explore a career as a bosun. Here to help Paula discover if she could cut it in the stressful, high-stakes world of bosoning is a man who worked his way from deckhand to bosun during seasons one through three of Bravo's Below Deck, took a break to work his way to first mate aboard a tugboat, earning his 1,600-ton license, and then returned for season eight. Hold on to your seat, Tony Anita Hull. <laughs> because we know <laughs> listeners know that you're a giant fan of the show. It's Eddie Woo! Lucas! Hey, how's it going, everyone? <laughs> Good. We're so glad you're here. Eddie, Thank welcome. you very much for joining us. Hey, um, Eddie, I think in order to answer the question, you know, could I be successful and happy as a bosun, perhaps a good place to start is... What's a bosun? What is a bosun? Uh, boatswain. Either one works. Um, yeah, it's a bosun is is someone who is in charge of all deck operations aboard uh, a vessel. So it could be a yacht, it could be a ship, it could be a boat, a tugboat, or any any type really. So yeah, just deck operations. So in the yachting world, you're in charge of the cleaning and also all the toys that that are on the yacht. What do you mean all the toys? Toys. Well, we got on yachts. We got lots of toys. So we got jet skis and sea bobs and massive 700 pound inflatable slides that have to go out. It's lots of fun. Lots of fun. Wow. That does sound like fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let me ask you, cause we just finished our book club meeting and God help us. This podcast is reading Moby Dick. How does a bosun compare to like a first mate or a second mate? It doesn't seem like there is one on, on board the Pequod. Yeah. The, well, there be maybe like a, you know, there probably is a, a first mate or a second mate, but it's a, in Moby Dick, it'd probably call it something different because we're talking, you know, her majesty ship or, you know, it's old English type of stuff. So you might have. Well, it, there is a first mate, a second mate, and a, and a third mate, but nobody referred to as a, as a boatswain or a bosun. Maybe, in the uh, yeah, there, there usually is one, but usually it probably goes under the same idea as a second mate, maybe a second mate, a third mate, or a, a chief chief's mate. So it, it, they are there, but it's just different a different name for them. Okay, here's another Moby Dick-related question. Um, has a whale eaten your leg off at any time in any of your adventures? <laughs> you know, that's a really good question. And, and I bet you get to that my a best lot. Knowledge, I do get that a lot. To my best knowledge, a whale has not eaten my leg off yet. But you never know what could happen. It could always happen. 
The season's young. All right. The season's young. (laughs) Eddie Lucas, how do I learn to be a bosun? Like, how did you learn? Well, I mean, you have to work your way up. I mean, it's it's tough to just be hired directly in as a bosun um, if you've never worked on a on a boat before. So you got to work your way up. You got to climb the ranks. You got to climb the ladder. uh, You know, get your way. You got to start just start off as deckhand uh, or even what's called an AB, which is an abled seaman. And, uh, and, you know, and you just got to work your way up. And what skills does a deckhand or a able seaman have? You got you to gotta follow directions well. You can't, you can't question the boats and you can't say, oh, I'm not going to do that. You just got to be a yes man, yes woman, you know, and mm-hmm. just do, what, do what's said. But you have to have, the most important thing you got to have is a sense of urgency. You know, you got to move quick, you got to move efficiently, and you got to get the job done as fast as you can, as efficiently as you can. Oh, got you. By the way, whenever we say able seaman, we should probably whisper or the phone will ring. Um, what? <laughs> what would you say is the hardest part of being a bosun? Is is it dangerous? Like, what's the worst thing that's gone wrong in your experience? I mean, uh, you know, being a bosun, it can be it can be dangerous. You know, you definitely you get beat up a little bit dealing with all the toys and dealing with all the you know heavy machinery, anchors, anchor systems, windlasses, davits. All that you got to deal with. Wait, what's a windlass? What's a davit? A windlass is is what we use to raise the chain up and down. It's it's a machinery that's very very powerful electronic motor to help raise the chain and for the anchor lifts the oh, anchor. Oh, okay. Up. And the davit, I assume, is a chunk of water that comes out of the ocean. Nope, nope, but close. <laughs> no, that's a divot. That's a divot. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. My mistake. A davit. A davit is just a fancy word for a crane. A davit is a crane on a boat. Oh, okay. Um, I think it's funny that you said that um, you get beat up by the toys. So the inflatable slide is is a big challenge. Oh yeah, I mean, the, like you know, I, I'm pretty, you know, I'm thirty, almost thirty six right now, and I'm pretty sure I need full back surgery right now for all the times I've had to put the slide up and down. It's it is back breaking work, and that is that's really a difficult part of it. But hopefully, by the time you become a, a bosun, you have a very solid team that you can delegate to tell what to do and to get everything done. But that is where it comes into the most difficult part of being a bosun, which is dealing with incompetent crew or dealing with issues with crew, telling them what to do, and them also then being insubordinate. And unfortunately, we can't keel haul people anymore. You know, we can't we can't uh, you know stick them in the right. bilge and make them drink it. You know, we can't right. we can't we don't have punishment anymore. So it's really difficult sometimes to motivate people. You know. We can't bring out, break out the cat and nine tails anymore. And so now that's a much more difficult thing to deal with. There's no, no lash. lashings. You no can't have the lashings. lashings. You can't. Uh, they you can't know? taste the lash. Uh, so, so you have to then have good people skills. You have to have good people skills. You need to be good managerial and, you know, and, you know, you got to be really sensitive of people's feelings. And it's, I'm never really good about that. I've never been really good at it, but you got to be this day and age. You know, you got to be, you got to be gentle with people. And it's tough in this, in this world. You got to be gentle, but they have to follow yeah, rules, yeah. right? Like, for instance, like we're trying to run the ship that is this podcast. Now, so just your opinion, uh-huh. Eddie. Um, if you ha- were on a podcast where there was a book club that was reading a book like Moby Dick, would you say that that was kind of the obligation <laughs> of everybody, every able seaman aboard the podcast to actually read the chapters? Yes, that would be part of the responsibilities of an AB, of a deckhand. They got to read it. I want to introduce you to one of our producers who's a huge fan of Below Deck, oh, by the way, but not a huge fan of mo- reading Moby Dick. It's Tony Anita Hull. Want to say hello to Eddie, Tony? Hi, Eddie. Hey, Tony. How you doing? What's the deal here? Not reading the book? There are I mean, no, that's... There are no women read in the, the book. book. There are no women in the book. At all. Well, well, 
when Moby Dick was written, women were bad luck on a boat. So you, you got to understand the you got to understand the timing, the culture that is surrounding the the, the, the ship at the time. I didn't I know that. I decided Thank to read Ahab's Wife, which is a book about oh, okay. Ahab's yeah. wife. But that's the different book. Yeah, it's a different I, book. Still a different book. You're, you're, you're on like a different ship here. I'm yeah. trailblazing. I'm trailblazing. <laughs> Okay, yeah, well, that that's good. But if you you know if you got a job to do on one ship and then you jump ship and get another one, that's treasonous during the time of Moby Dick. And again, yeah. you'd be, you would be lashed could severely. We, could we put her off in like a dinghy or something for this? You um, could, or or you could or you could threaten her with my favorite saying on on a ship, which is the beatings will continue until morale improves. <laughs> that Eddie, is a good by one. By the way, what given that you know given that you don't have of the tool, the motivational tool of keel hauling yeah. or tasting, uh, what is it, kissing the gunner's daughter. Um, yes, right. What do you do? Can you tell us an experience where you had uh, an able-bodied seaman, uh, an able-bodied seaman that yes. didn't follow orders, and, and how did you handle it? Well, I mean, I've had, I've definitely had some deckhands and ABs that are not great at following orders, but the worst of them are the ones who lie about their experience. They lie oh. on their CVs, they lie on their resumes. <laughs> you know, they say, "Oh, I know how to do all this, all that," and then you expect them to be doing it, and they have no idea what they're doing. And you, you. You do what you can for them. You know, you try teaching them, but if they don't pick it up right off the bat, then you just you do the next best thing, which is just fire them. You just get them off. You just see ya. Can't use you. Put them on the dock. Send them packing. That's all so you got to do. So, what if you're out in the ship? What if you're on the cruise? Do you do you like have them helicoptered off, or do you do you set them adrift like in uh, of the bounty? Yeah, I mean, you could you know do the old like Inuit thing and put them on a, a, a glacier on an ice flow and then send them off into the ocean. Um, <laughs> but again, that's also the Frankenstein yeah, yeah, again, thing. Here we are dealing with human rights and things like that, and it's a delicate situation, I know. And so, usually, we just wait until the charter is over. And, and then fire them. Right. Yeah. Now, do you have any aspirations to to uh, say move to a cruise ship? Like, do, does the cruise ship world interest you, or do you like the little boats? I like, I like the little boats. Cruise ship world is is a different animal. I mean, there's we're all talking the same species here, uh, but then we're talking about different different animals in these species. So it's it's you know like you got cruise right. ships, and it's you have large, massive crews, and the work is you know is easier because many hands make lighter work. But at the same time, then you're going to be taking a big cut in pay. You know, oh. working on yachts, working on a charter yacht, you're making a lot of money, and you're but you're working for that money big time. You know, there is maritime laws saying, oh, you need to have 12 hours of sleep a night, or you only work 12 hours and you have to have eight hour an eight hour break for sleep and everything like that. But on yachts, sometimes that's a gray area, and there's a lot of times we've only gotten oh. you know two three hours of sleep or less a night, and then you have to get right back up and continue working throughout an 18-hour day, 19-hour day. Wow. Um, so wait, when you say people lie on their resumes sometimes, so have you ever had like a crew member where they mm -hmm. said that they knew all sorts of, you know, ship uh, skills and nautical stuff and, and you told them to like tie off a, with some sort of a knot and then you went over and they were just doing like a bow or something? Oh, yeah, yeah, no, yes. Um, I had one guy who... He, he lied on his resume, said he had all this experience on boats. And then, and like, I, you know, we had, went on this first charter and I kind of was noticing that he didn't know how to do certain things. But then when we were coming back into dock, we were tying up and 
I was telling him, okay, go ahead and, and lock off the, the, the Ford spring line. And he was just holding it, staring at me going, I don't know what to do. And uh, that was really dangerous. I mean, really, really dangerous. You yeah. know, because we're dealing with, you know, we're not just dealing with pounds of pressure here. We're dealing with tons of pressure. And if he did something wrong or if he, you know, got his hand caught in a line while I was coming tight, you could rip a hand off, rip a leg uh, off, you know, uh, if, it, if he locked it off when I told him not to and it, the line parted, which all broke and snapped, uh, you know, that line could snap back and break, cut, ooh. it can maim you severely. And so oh, it's, wow. you know, that's where it's like, okay, so you lying is just putting everyone, yourself and other people in danger. And that, that's what, that, that's not okay. Isn't there a thing on the on the application where it says, you know, under penalty of law, are you signed to say that you're telling the truth? I'm, I'm sure there is something along those lines. But at the same time, it's like, you know, what are people really going to do? What are you going to get sued? I mean, you know, yeah. you can't. People want jobs. Yeah, people want jobs. And, and you know, if, if they lie, then the worst thing really is going to happen is they're just going to get fired. And honestly, I don't have a problem with someone coming in being like, I don't know how to do this. I'll mm -hmm. teach you. It's not it's not rocket science. You know, it's just it's just line handling. But, you know, if you tell me you know how to do something and they lie about it, that's a problem. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hear then that. You gotta sitch you know, on your hands. You got a sitch. Then you got a big time sitch. <laughs> that's what they call it on the boat. Yeah. A it's sitch. A sitch. It's a nautical term. Yeah. Sitches get snitch stitches. Yeah. <laughs> sitches get stitches. The the Scottish author Kenneth Graham wrote there is nothing, absolutely nothing, half so much worth doing as messing about in boats. Really? Have you tried podcasting? We'll help Paula get her sea legs when we come back. The cat of the week is Mr. Totes from Sherman Oaks. Congratulations, Totes. We knew you had it in you. Uh, Tony. We're back with Eddie Lucas. Eddie, this is a lot of fun. Um, Eddie, I have something awful to confess to you. Please confess it. Well, for a while, <laughs> I was accidentally calling the show Deck Below. <laughs> I, that, that's honestly that not that bad. I've heard way worse things, you know, about Below Deck and Blowing and wonderful things like that. It's, there's, yes. there's always... There's, <laughs> There's so many little things. So, so honestly, deck I think below I, or whatever. I think I come to it honestly because my mother used to enjoy the films of East Clintwood. Yes. <laughs> East Clintwood. Fantastic. Fantastic what a, what uh, an actor, director huh? and actor. Good, good, a good director, too. All yeah. right. So is it a crowded field, Eddie? Will, will, I, will I have a hard time getting hired? Like, say, say, for example, you know, I'm willing to start at the bottom you know, and I am. Yeah, well, you and have I, to be. You I, have to I be. love physical labor, but I, but is it a crowded field? I mean, do a lot of people apply? Well, it is now uh, because of the show that I'm on. It has become very, very popular, and a lot of people are trying to get into the industry. And uh, you know, it, it's a tough. You know, it's a really tough industry to get into. And it's it's there's there's industries there's companies out there that like Blue Water Yacht um, Hannah Ferrier has a, a company now also who is uh, on Below Deck Med uh, about helping people get into the industry but it is difficult it's very difficult and uh, yeah but once Paula gets a toehold and 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 she becomes a a lowly uh, a lowly hand deckhand. right junior deckhand yep 
What does she have to do to move up the ranks? Does she have to find ways to mysteriously, you know, push the other people overboard at night? Or like, what does she have to do? There is some backstabbery that definitely happens. I mean, there is. Is there? there uh, oh, yeah, of course. I mean, there's always backstabbery that can happen. And uh, but really, it's just showing initiative. If you've, if you've got the drive, if you've got the motivation, if you get your job done and then help other people get other jobs done and oh. you do it in a way that the captain notices, you know, you got to kind of put a show on. There is there's definitely oh. a bit of showmanship that goes in this. You know, you have to, you know, walk the walk and talk the talk and, and get that all done but you know there there is a very shallow part of this industry and part of it is you know getting a job is that when you put your cv out there you have to have a headshot on this job and it really doesn't no. matter your education oh yeah you gotta have a headshot you know you don't you don't hire quasimodo to become a deckhand because you have yeah you have, you have let's these- talk about that let's talk about like what kind i mean you've got these incredibly rich clients yes and they want their experience to be just so. And I guess they want you to be just so. So what are you looking for when you're hiring, uh, when you're interviewing Paula Poundstone? What are you looking at superficially that she has to be able to do? Well, Paula is just a shoe in right off the bat. Gorgeous, coming right in. Great hair. Love it. Curls. Fantastic. Thank you. Right Andy. in the door. So really, you know, you're looking for someone who's aesthetically pleasing. Honestly, their education, where they went to college, their GPA does not matter whatsoever. Uh, does not matter if you're in a book club reading Moby Dick right now. Doesn't matter. You know, what matters is the certifications you have. You know, you got to, you know, if you're working interior, you need to have the silver service certification. You need to be white glove, provide white glove service. If you're exterior, you know, you got to be good looking. You got to be strong. You got to be able to, you know, have that million dollar smile because these guests, they're paying, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars for this vacation, this week-long vacation, and they want to be around beautiful people as well. Do you um, share a room down there? Is it you share a room with somebody? Yeah, yeah you do. You do. Usually you're, uh, unless you're the captain really, but even sometimes the captain on smaller, smaller vessels, they still share with other crew. But you are always, you know, as a bosun, as a deckhand, stews, chief stew, you're always with someone else in the room. Yeah, uh-huh. always. So it's just one other person, or is it like the three stooges, like the three, you know, three three bunks? <laughs> it, it, it's, it varies you know, from from boat to boat. Sometimes you can have three to four people in a room. Most of the time, on the boats, all the yachts that I've worked on, it's just just two bunks in a room. So you just got one other one other roommate you're living with. Well, you seem like a real people person. Do you have a technique that you use for getting on with other people? What what kind of issues have come up when there is friction, and how have you handled it? I mean, you you try to you know you, you give give everyone the benefit of the doubt the first off, off the bat, but. You know, if someone does something wrong, if there's friction that's starting to create, created, you guys got to approach them in the most respectful way possible and kind of lay out there like, hey, this is what isn't working and let's let's do this to make it work better. And if, you know, you give them that first warning shot and then after that warning shot, if they continue to do it, then you then you start then you start hacking. But, uh, yeah, you know, then it's, it's then it's overboard it, in the middle of the night. Is that right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what kind of person would you say does best in this job of bosun? Say, for example, I had worked my way up. So if you work your way up and you get a position as a bosun, someone who is very well at managing crew and dealing with a list and uh, high attention to detail so that they can see everything that needs to happen, see what needs to be cleaned, understand 
what the guests are looking for and then plan accordingly and plan ahead of time as much as you possibly can so that things go smoothly because things can go can go south very very quickly and uh you know you don't want to sink that ship and metaphorically as soon as as soon as the charter starts now is moving right. the inflatable slide i'm very interested in the inflatable slide <laughs> first of all when you blow it up how many puffs does it take well that's a very good question uh it's not a tootsie roll or tootsie pop so it does not take three we use we have to use multiple uh five horsepower electronic air blowers, uh, you know, pumps, air pumps. The kind of stuff that you might find in, uh, for a bouncy house. Exactly, yes, oh. yeah. You know, something similar to that, but they're even higher torque because the, the, you have to have a certain PSI level for the inflatable slide. So that way, if someone jumps on it, it doesn't cave in under you and you drown in a, a sea of vinyl. Um, what is PSI? So it's, yeah, that's it's a bad way to it'd go. It would be a bad way to go. It would be, and, and it would look really bad. What's PSI? Uh, pounds per square inch. So you oh. have to get the air level inside the slide up to a certain PSI level. Oh, I got yeah. it. Okay. Just like on the tires on your car, Paul. Exactly. Or your bike. Yep. Was I supposed to fill those? Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, so say I have worked my way up. Right. And now I go to fill out an application or I go to interview. What's the best way I can present myself? Uh, The best way you present yourself is showing exactly the experience that you have and what you have created. And then the accomplishments maybe that you've got along the way. And those accomplishments are sea time and certification. So as you spend time as a deckhand and moving up as to a bosun, you are acquiring sea time. You can then use that sea time to upgrade your license. And that is the best illustration of your experience and your abilities as a seaman, as a sailor. And, uh, and so, you know, once you get to a bosun, you may have a hundred ton license. So you may have an OUPV, um, or maybe even more. What's an OUPV? It sounds gynecological. What, what's an OUPV? (laughs) OUPV is an occupational uninspected personal vessel license. So it's it's a smaller license that you need to pilot a vessel that is below 60 feet in length. And it is uninspected by the by the Coast Guard, so it's a, it's a smaller license, but it, that's a, one of the first stepping stones you would be getting as as a, as a sailor is an OUPV license, and then you move up to maybe a fifty ton or a hundred ton, mm. and then you keep going up there five hundred six. You're at sixteen hundred tons with you with your tugboat stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm a sixteen hundred ton right now. Yep. Wow. Congratulations. Now, Paula, what what Thank you. what tonnage are you at, Paula? So when I was a kid. We had a creek behind our house, and I had one of those yellow um, rubberized canvas rafts. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, I was pretty good with that, if I do say so myself. Uh, so wow. I don't know what kind of tonnage that is, but uh, I, I, I think that qualifies you for an IUD, maybe. Maybe. maybe yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm writing that down. Okay, did, Eddie. Whatever. Did, did the vessel? Did your yellow vessel? Does it have a name? It, did it have a name to the your little yellow submarine? Uh, no, but I'm happy to name it now if I need to. Well, if you can name it, then you can put in a sea service form for it, and you could probably get a small license. <gasps> no. Yes. Oh, that would be great. All yeah, those, so you got to do that, Paul. I, I remember all those lazy afternoons on the Eddie. There you go. Rocky, <laughs> yeah. Rocky, oh, Rocky vessel Eddie. that one is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. I loved it on the Eddie. Um, Eddie, I have to ask you one more thing, which is these rich people. 
mm-hmm. that you're working with, what are their expectations? And, and have they ever had demands that were, uh, uh, you know, what are the sort of most outrageous demands that have been put upon you in your bosun capacity? I mean, uh, they they are demanding the world and more. I mean, they really want everything just right, just perfect. They want Michelin star food. They want everything to be catered to them perfectly, food catered to them perfectly, uh, toys ready as soon as they want to go out, slide inflated, jet skis out. They want everything. They want everything before they have to ask for it. And then they also want they want you as well. They want your soul. And we've had, I've had, really? oh, oh yeah. I've had guests, <laughs> I've had guests yeah. ask me, you know, um, can you please put on this banana hammock and, and then serenade, <laughs> serenade the primary <laughs> charter guests and, and then let us take body shots off you. What's Ooh. a body shot? Oh, a body shot is when you put a lime in your mouth and then salt on your nipples and then you fill your belly button with tequila. And so they, Lick the salt off your nipple. They suck the tequila out of your belly button. Then they eat the eat the lime out of your mouth. And it's at my house. We call that Thursday. Thursday, yeah, yeah, or oh Monday. My yeah, gosh. And, you know, any day of the week, really. But being a bosun, this is the best thing. Being a bosun, you can easily delegate that job off to a lower hand. You know, you easily just say, "Oh, deckhands, you can do this." But I always, I try to be fair, and I always ask the deckhand, "Do you feel comfortable doing this?" And that's really important to do this. You know, Paula, do you feel comfortable doing? <laughs> no, I'm so. I'll tell you something. If if a guest, if a, if a rich guest asked me to any such thing, or even asked me to get another person to do any such thing, I could never speak to them or look at them again. That's repulsive. Repulsive. Uh, no, that is that is that is gross. This might be a little bit of a hurdle for yeah, you. Yeah, I'll tell you what I will do. I'll put lime on my nipples, salt okay. in my navel, okay, and uh, the tequila in my mouth. How about that? That'll work. That'll help you. That'll help loosen you up first. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay. Now here's something. Here's something I need to do right now, which is we promised um, our producer, Tony Anita Hull, who is such a big fan of your show that she has mentioned it on this show several times. Multiple times. She brought up deck deck below. But we have told her that even though we were here for our career corner segment, that we were going to let her step forward if she can trembling and ask you a question about below deck. So Tony. Oh, thanks, y'all. Okay, tell me everything about Captain Lee. Is he just the best? <laughs> That's all. I just want to hear about Captain. The, Captain Lee. Captain Lee is is great. You know, um, you know, I'm honored to be able to call him a friend now. Uh, you know, he's he's been such a mentor in my life and has and helped. I mean, he's the one who really helped teach me how to become a, a good bosun and and now uh, a first officer. Um, so it, it's 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 great. It's been great working with him, and he's he's wild and eccentric and a little crazy but everyone's a little crazy to get into yachting you gotta be crazy that's why paula would do so well at it and she's a little crazy yeah now t- tell tony something about the captain that that she might not see on the show give her a detail about his life that she might not know captain lee used to be a um what's it what's the word a high altitude welder Oh, wow yeah before that's he cool. before wow. he was a captain he was a welder and he would he would do like way high welding on water towers and things like that at very, you know, at, at height. Yeah. Wow. So he's yes. a bit of a daredevil. He is. Yeah. I think he, he's definitely an adrenaline junkie. He, he's always loved risky, risky jobs. I think. I think we have the same qualities in our 
Captain Crinkle. <laughs> yes, our producer Bonnie Burns, Captain Crinkle, has is, is a bit of a daredevil. Um, uh, she's not a high altitude um, welder, but uh, there is some high attitude at times. <laughs> Well, Eddie, that was excellent. And now we're going to take the information that you gave us and run it through the old Pounce-tonator. Paula? House band Gabe Terraciano, if I could have a little bit of background music, I'll tell you what the old Pounce-tonator spit out. Priscilla, I am simply adoring these whale blubber sandwiches. Aren't you, Gregson? <laughs> Gregson. Delicious like you, babe. Priscilla. <laughs> you know what would be fun? Let's go up in the very tip of the boat and see if we can see whales while we eat them. Oh, Bosun! Bosun Paula! Gregson and I want to eat on the tippy-tip-tip of the boat. Could you help us up there? Paula. The crew is busy setting up the slide right now. Priscilla, oh, we can't wait. Paula, of course, I'll just move the table and you folks come right this way. There you go. How's that? Priscilla, we don't see any whales. It's so disappointing. Oh, maybe we could see sharks. That would be so exciting. Wouldn't that be exciting, Gregson? It would be wildly exciting, like you, babe. <laughs> Priscilla, Bosun Paula, Bosun Paula, could you jump in the water and flap around? It might attract some sharks. Paula, the crew is uh, Priscilla, but we can't wait. Paula, uh, of course. Priscilla, I don't see any sharks. Here, Bosun Paula, catch this knife. Cut yourself. They might come for the blood. Paula. Of course. Priscilla. I still don't see any. Could you cut a major artery? Paula. <laughs> of course. Priscilla. Oh, there they are. Look, Gregson. They're just ravenous. Gregson. Like I'm ravenous for you, babe. Priscilla. Bosun Paula. Bosun Paula. Bosun Paula. <laughs> So, Paula, now that you've learned about what it takes to be a bosun, could you do that job? Poundstone pussy pillows are four and a half inch by five inch pillows <laughs> stuffed with catnip. They feature a grommet up top so you can tie a string to it and gauge your cat by tugging it along. There's a cat joke printed on one side and on the other side, I am happy to autograph it to your cat. They're at the store at paulapoundstone.com. He's America's favorite bosun from Bravo's Below Deck. Thank you so much, Eddie Lucas, for coming Yay! on our show. Thank you so much for having me, guys. That was fun. Thank you. Eddie, this was so was much fun. fun. Thank you very, very much. Coming up next, we all have something to bring to the table, and tonight's menu calls for fresh, hot factoids. It's our Putluck Info Party when we return. Fun fact, the dot over a small letter J or I is in fact known as a tittle, which always gets a big laugh at the font conventions. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. 
Hey, Paula Poundstone, are you ready for some fun? Oh, you know what? I'm ready for more fun. I I just had a lot of fun, though. I got to say. W- oh, with Eddie with Lucas? The, that guy, I that did guy was have fantastic. fun with Eddie Lucas. Well, now it is time to move on to our second ever potluck info party. It's a potluck Ooh. info party. It's a potluck <laughs> info party. And guess what, Adam? What? That was a theme song. That I came up with last time, but I have a new theme song for us this time. Oh, oh, that was the old theme song. I, by the way, yeah, I, the, it did sound familiar. But I think the whole point of a theme song is that it's the same each time, so that yeah, it, you know, it kind of tells the, the person what they're. About. But go ahead, maybe we'll like the new one. Well, go no, ahead. I was, you know, the last time I just came up with that off the top of my head, so I thought I'd try something new this time. Wait a minute, you came up with that? <laughs> off, you, you came up with that off the top of your head? Oh my gosh. Want to hear the new one? Yeah. I want to know what you're thinking There are some things you can't hide I want to know what you're feeling. Tell me what's on your mind. That's it. Oh, so you didn't write or sing the... Well, what, and, and what song <laughs> was that? Theme song. I don't know. What's on your mind? B- b- by who? Yeah. It sounded like well, Duran Duran, to be honest with you. It took no, me back. No, it was pure energy. Okay. Oh. It doesn't sound like you guys were impressed. I like yours much better. Listen, I'm so excited about the potluck info party. I uh, I brought a little something. You did? Why don't you kick us off then, Paula? What's your, what's your info that you're bringing to the table? George Harrison remortgaged his house in order to help finance the movie The Life of Brian by Monty Python because the movie company that was going to make it pulled out at the last minute. Wow. Oh, huh. Wow. That is so cool. The thing about that fact that, that kind of surprises me is Life of Brian was made in something like 1976 or something, right? Or maybe 78. 79, I believe. Why did George Harrison have to mortgage a house when he had all that Beatles money? I don't know. Oh. That's for another info party, I guess. I just brought yeah, you that we're one have to find fact. Out. I'm not a font of George Harrison information. I just brought you that one fact. You didn't tell me that we were going into the info party storm cellar and we had to bring enough information <laughs> to survive for months no. and months down there. I thought it was just no, one No, not months and months. All, but Where each brought enough that we could use somebody else's and share and have a full meal. I had no idea that I had to inform wow. people over and over again for a long period of time. George Harrison wow, remortgaged okay. his yeah. house in order to pay for life for Brian. Beat that, Adam Felber. Wow. wow. I'm not going to, I'm going to pass it around first. Uh, I, I'm sorry that I made, that I made it seem like I wanted more information than you were willing to bring, Paula. That's, uh, that's just, that's uh, just my fault. I was willing to bring more. It just didn't say it on the invitation. Well, is that enough for everyone or are we still hungry? <laughs> we're definitely still hungry. Let's go to Tony Anita Hall. Yes. So, since I did a lot of this today, I thought I'd bring this fact. Turkeys can blush. When turkeys are scared or excited, like when females see a male they're interested in, the pale skin on their head and neck turns bright red, blue, or white. The flap of skin over their beaks, called a snood, also reddens. 
Wow. wow. A snood. I heard huh. about a snood once, and, and I completely forgot the word. That would be a good vocabulary word. Now, yeah. in what situations yeah, do turkeys it. blush? Do they blush when they're embarrassed? Okay, no, you know what? You are the king of this. Like, you have <laughs> asked follow-up questions that none of us know the fucking answers to. <laughs> Plus, she just she just said when they she just said when they blush, they blush when they're scared or excited. Yeah. Well, I, I thought there might be other yeah. situations, like if you embarrass a turkey. Maybe that can be your fact. <laughs> yeah. I just, just apparently bored or excited. What else is there? George Harrison was almost broke when he remortgaged his home because he had spent a tremendous amount of money researching turkey embarrassment. <laughs> <laughs> i've always wondered if turkeys have any shame whatsoever anyway um all right bonnie but thank you that was delicious tony bonnie burns i promise i will i can't promise i won't ask you a follow-up question but what what have you brought okay well what i brought was say you're traveling at a high velocity because you're gonna use your car to like ram into a building or like <laughs> Go off a pier to go into the water or like jump over a bunch of cars. You yeah, should... I think we've all been in we've all been in that situation, yeah. Sure, like you do. So you should draw a line on the road. You could call it the point of no return. And that's the point at which even if you apply your bricks, mm-hmm. you have to stop before you get to that line. Or you're going forward, baby. All right. So if you're going to kill yourself because you're you're so overwrought that you're going to drive off a cliff, then before you do that, you need to calculate when is the point of no return and then get out of the vehicle and make a line. This is so helpful. It is. It's uh, really helpful. What? I mean, I would think say- of if only Thelma and Louise had stopped their car gotten out, right. got out their calculator, right. did some quick mathematics, told the sheriffs at the police department to wait, figured it out, measured a distance from the cliff, drew the line, backed up, told the sheriff's department it was okay to resume the chase, and drove forward at speed, they'd be alive today. Yeah, and yeah. Brad Pitt might not have married Angelina Jolie. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, well, the fact that they didn't do that set off a chain of events that almost ruined George Harrison. George Harrison, yes. <laughs> May he rest in peace. He was already dead. But, and I um, guess, you know, if you think about it on foot, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, there was probably a line that it, if you didn't pass, you know, there was a point at which if they went over it, then they had to go over that cliff and jump. I think that when you're running, the line isn't as important. Yeah, the point, uh, of, no return, I don't know. The point of no return is when you jump off the cliff. That's the point of no return. Now, Bonnie, I want to say that I, I really appreciate this piece of trivia because I think I know where it comes from because... Didn't you work on a stuntman-based show on television at one point? I did. We sent a guy off the rim of the Grand Canyon. and Only because they didn't draw the line. <laughs> no. Well, they, they did we draw the did line. We did draw a line. <laughs> but this was, this was the other tip I was going to give you if anybody's thinking about, 
you know, having to do something where they want to propel themselves out a far distance. In the case of the Grand Canyon, there's like a shelf around it on the inside of the Grand Canyon. So you need this extra acceleration. <laughs> so when you're going down the runway, you yeah. also build yourself this extra ramp that has like that curly cue thing like they have in the, you know, those little tiny race cars that kids play with, Adam? What are they called? Oh, Hot Wheels. Yeah. You need a ramp like that because when you come down the curly cue part that gives you the extra propulsion and then you go out over the the quick canyon let me understand so if i'm riding in a hot wheels car i'll tell you for one thing my knees are in my mouth if i'm riding in a hot wheels car and I don't understand the curly cue component are you talking about a loop it's Bonnie? the loop-de-loop that loop-de-loop they do when you, oh, yeah. You know. It, yeah, it is called the loop. Now, 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 Bonnie, what you've done here is you've essentially broken down an anecdote and turned it into an info, a bunch of info parties. Okay. It's still information. <laughs> hey, she brought. It's still I, information. Basically, Absolutely. I, I feel like she brought the entree to the info, the, to the potluck info party. I did. Thank you, Bonnie. It's fascinating. I really do feel that like that was an entree. Yes. No return is interesting. Yeah. It was fascinating. It definitely is. That, that was an entree. I'll just serve up a little dessert. You know, yes, Paula? Well, I was just thinking, there's a similar thing in um, skydiving, which is as you're going up in the plane, yeah. um, you reach out the window and spray in the air a blue line. Yep. And as you're, as you're free falling, if you go past that line, you are fucked. <laughs> similarity yeah yeah it's very similar very similar all right here's my info and it's just a word it's a simple simple word and it's something that i'm i'm very into these days graphene does anybody know what graphene is class graphene no no it's like graphite it's carbon. It's just carbon, folks. But why is Adam into it? Well, the two scientists who invented graphene actually got the Nobel Prize for Physics in 2010. And the reason it's so interesting is it's a substance that's one molecule thick. If you had a sheet of graphene, it's literally the thinnest thing in the world that you could ever have. Wow. One molecule of carbon thick. And it's arranged in a honeycomb shape, so it's really strong. And it conducts electricity really well. And our entire future is going to be graphene uh, uh, related. They'll probably figure out a way to stop making solar panels out of silicon because a graphene solar panel would be about 30% more power efficient, which is amazing. Here's the coolest thing about it. Here's my info party fun fact. Basically, the way that you can discover and manufacture graphene, you take a pencil, essentially, and put a piece of scotch tape on it. And when you peel away the uh, scotch tape, the carbon from the graphite on that scotch tape is graphene or more or less graphene. <gasps> well, what's the oh. difference between graphite and graphene? Just the thickness of it? Well, that's the thing is carbon is so weird. The way the molecules are put together can do all kinds of things. Like, you know, it can be coal. It can be diamonds. It can be graphite. It can be uh, charcoal. Uh, that stuff is all just made of carbon. It could be a buckyball, one of those giant mega molecules. And graphene happens to be an arrangement that was recently discovered where it's one molecule thick in a honeycomb pattern. 
Well, wait a minute. You say it was recently discovered. I, I put a piece of scotch tape on a pencil and pulled it off years ago. Yeah, but you didn't make a solar panel out of it, did you? No. So listen, so here's my question. Where's my fucking prize? Where's my goddamn prize? What'd they get? The Pulitzer Prize? Or what'd they get? <laughs> no, there's no Pulitzer Prize for science. <laughs> they, they, they got a Nobel. I, I believe that they got a Nobel Prize. I think it was in physics. I didn't get a Nobel Prize. I just got Nobels. <laughs> you got Nobels for that. Well, I haven't got one goddamn bell. Uh, you know, if any of our listeners know the Nobel Committee, uh, please write a strongly worded letter on Paula's behalf. Because if you would, please. If she put tape on on a pencil, then she deserves that prize. Yeah, I did. Oh, I, I thought everybody did that in about the second grade. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I got no bells. Not one goddamn bell. Uh, wow. Well, that is fascinating, Adam. Hey, uh, it might no, be. I think that's interesting. Yeah, I hope I represented it right. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure I just some. Did it. Well, you just did what? I just put tape on my pencil and then pulled it off. And what, oh, what's on Tony, the tape? Tony, do you want to say your address over the uh, microphone so that the Nobel <laughs> people know where to send your prize? <laughs> it might be a little more complicated than that, but okay. No, I don't think so. Sherman Oaks. Yeah, Sherman Oaks. Sherman Oaks. All right. Sherman Oaks, everybody. Tony sent your hull over in Sherman Oaks. Go ahead. That's probably all you got to put on the envelope. People know her. They'll know where to find her. Send your Nobel medals and your spare bosuns over to Sherman Oaks. Yeah. I'm ready. <laughs> hey, nobodies. If you have uh, questions or comments or some fun facts or you just want to bitch about how we run our book club, send that to <laughs> nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. Paula, what else is going on in your Poundstone product empire this week? Well, Adam, Poundstone Industries, also known as Lipstick Nancy Incorporated, is humming along like a band of kazoos. It's going to be a hot summer, and our listeners want to look the other kind of hot, you know, like hot. So, my remarkably soft tri-poly blend t-shirts in both baseball and standard style are available at paulapoundstone.com. Or listeners can go to cameo.com slash Paula P33 and order a custom-made video message. Mother's Day is coming up, and what kind of a mother wouldn't love a video message from you delivered by me? That's cameo.com slash Paula P33. I would tell you more, but we have a listener named Heidi who has told us she doesn't like the merchandise promotions. <laughs> Subscribe to this podcast. It's free. You'll get it every week at no charge. If there's a subject or topic you'd like to know about, once again, that's nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. And that, ladies and gents, is our show. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam DeFelber. Special thanks to our guest, Eddie Lucas. Yeah. Yeah. And thanks to our house band, Gabe Terraciano. You can find his music at GabeTerraciano.com. Our show is produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, and Tony Anita Hull. Intern is Carly Patrone. Starburns production by Land Romo and Sam Dunwald. Transcription services for the show provided by TranscribeMe, a premier internationally used transcription service. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at TranscribeMe.com to receive an expedited service. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? You know what? What's that? I just made uh, graffiti. I just made graffiti again. <laughs> graffiti? 
Ruffini. W- Ruffini? Ruffini. I just put a piece of tape on a pencil and pulled it off. Graphene. That's what I made. I made yeah, graphene. Yeah. It's not it really a usable form when you do that. You, you probably have a couple of molecules. Yeah. I do. I, mean, I have a, a couple. Of I don't even your, know where the hell I'm going to put all these molecules. I just made it again. And I, look, I just did it yeah. again. I, I did it again. Um, do you see a microscopic honeycomb pattern of carbon on your tape? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah? Yeah. I, I just did it again. You're not getting Nobel Prizes for every time you do that, Paula. It's, I just it's want done. one. It's over. I just want one Nobel Prize. I don't want Nobel Prizes. That's ridiculous. I just did it again. Well, why do you the keep doing it? The guys that got the Nobel Prize, how many did they do? I just did it. <laughs> I, I, I don't think it, I don't think you can get the prize from them by just doing it a lot. No, I don't want it from them. They can keep their silly prize. I just did it again. I just did it again. Did it. Did it. Did it. Did it again. Did it again. Did it again. Wait, I just ran out of tape. I gotta get more tape. Hold on. Starbucks Avenue, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.